fans of the Pittsburgh Steelers, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. I am one of the hosts of Here We Go, the Steelers show. Let me bring in my other host. His name is KT Smith. What is going on, coach? Brian, how are you, man? I'm uh, trying to trying to find some silver lining in uh, in today, and it's it's a, it's a little bit tough. So we'll try to make this a, as least a depressing episode of Here We Go as as we can. Yeah, it is absolutely a somber bunch in Steeler Nation right now. You and I, we usually talk so much before it, before the show, and we're just like, let's just get this started. Let uh, let us just go ahead and start uh, shifting through the rubble and see what we can go ahead and find out. Yeah, that's kind of what it feels like. And, and it also feels as though you, you really begin to understand that all losses are not created equally, that that some are obviously much more problematic than others. And and this one uh, it falls into that category because you just realized several things about the Steelers today that you were, maybe you saw hints of in the first couple of weeks, but today really sort of confirmed your fears about them. And then you throw on top of that several key injuries. It was just, it was a, a, a loss, I, f- I think, that is going to be one uh, that will in some ways shape the season. It really is. And that's uh, where do the Steelers go from here? And that's exactly where we are going to try to figure out what went wrong and what could have gone worse is probably what we're going to be looking at here. But one thing that I will tell you is wherever you're listening to this show, if you are driving just a couple of days later after the game down the road and you put us on, we thank you so much. We thank you for tuning into Steel Curtain Network, a part of Fans First Sports Network, for all of your Pittsburgh Steelers needs and beyond. So thank you so much. We cannot do these shows without you. We are a frustrated band of Steeler Nation followers right now. And we are uh, we're hurting as football fans, but we put it in perspective and we go ahead and look at where we can go from here and that's what we're going to do we're trying to make all of ourselves all of you the listeners and even kevin and i trying to feel better about where this team might possibly be going because at the end of the day there's 13 regular season games left and we have seen them salvage a poor start before as well so kevin let's get started on this I'm just going to say it. Everything went wrong today. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I just saw a headline. Not only did everything go wrong, but I, I just, I just saw a headline that said that the Steelers flight home from Houston was delayed because of like mechanical, the plane yeah. for now the second week in a row. So that's the cherry on top of the misery Sunday. I think <laughs> you, you can't uh, really make that stuff. And I know how terrified TJ Watt said he was when uh when that happened and i could honestly tell you that i had a feeling like that just a week ago on an airplane i was uh i had left i had left baltimore to go to las vegas with a uh of all places kansas city where the steelers had to uh had to land but we were probably about an hour into the flight 
and it was only a two-hour flight. And I, Kevin, I actually thought that we were landing because you know what happens when you land and the landing gear hits the uh, hits the runway, you bounce. But you're you're expecting that. You're gripping for that. It's not a big deal. So that happened, and we, I mean, it happened hard, and we bounced up and down. And I woke up from the nap thinking, oh, gosh, we're here already. I must have slept a while. Then I look out, and I realize we're not on a runway. And then it got bumpier from there. And we were just bouncing up and down and I'm looking around and everybody's looking concerned and the seatbelt sign goes on. And I'm thinking this could be that moment that we fear every time we get on an airplane. And I never even told my family about this, that this happened, but it was so bumpy and it was so weird. And when we hit the ground, I was like, thank goodness. Oh, I did no. the sign of the cross and I could imagine what this, what the Steelers were thinking. So if they, if their flight was delayed this time from Houston, that's better than last week where they had to land an emergency landing. You're just thankful that they had an opportunity to land. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I relate to what you're saying. When my wife and I flew to California last year, we were five minutes off of takeoff and, uh, and our plane got hit by lightning and that was terrifying, absolutely terrifying. The whole plane shook and dropped. And uh, <laughs> I was like, all right, two ways to look at this, babe. One, we just got hit by lightning. Uh, you know, I may have soiled myself. Uh, and uh, two, that's probably not going to happen again. So we should be good for the rest of the flight. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, aren't we going to turn around and land? I mean, shouldn't you? And but the, the best part of it was the flight attendants and all. They just, nah, no big deal. They just went about their business. So I said, well, they're not worried. So we'll be okay. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, to hear somebody like TJ Watt and Kevin Smith and KT Smith, <laughs> two tough guys, and I consider you, you a tough guy, cool under pressure, to uh, feel like, oh, my gosh, this could be – you because you have no control of the situation. No control. So I that, – That's what it felt like watching the Steelers today, right? No control of the situation. It just felt like a thing that was spiraling out of control that you had no control over. and And – I don't know how you are when you watch games, but I usually am am optimistic until you can't be optimistic anymore, right? You, re you sometimes you just reach a point in a game where you know it's out of control. Maybe there's five minutes left and you're down by three scores and then you finally realize they're not going to win. But for me, I usually hang on to the very last minute. But I had an exact moment in this game when I, when I just said they're going to lose this football game. And it was a lot, a lot earlier than it usually is. And it was in the third quarter when they were first in goal, uh, 16 to three ball game. And you felt like, man, if they get in the end zone right here, it's a new, you know, it's a six point game and they have some momentum, et cetera. And the sequence of plays in that final three plays of that drive were just so discouraging, uh, a, you know, a pass to George Pickens over the middle that, you know, you, you kind of felt like maybe he should have he should have caught it. A, a run on second and goal from the eight, where every I think everybody in the stadium knew they were going to run the ball there, and they only make a couple of yards. And then a third down play where Houston actually blows the coverage, 
but the Steelers can't protect Pickett long enough and he's got to kind of hurry out of the pocket. And, and then when he does, he makes the wrong read and he throws it to Allen Robinson, who's being double covered as opposed to throwing behind Robinson to Connor Hayward, who's wide open and uncovered at the back of the end zone. And it just felt like a microcosm of who the Steelers were all game long, bad play calls, poor execution, getting beat up front. And when they kicked that field goal, I thought, you know what? They just haven't been good enough to, to uh, create more opportunities or enough opportunities for themselves and not, not scoring here. I, I think for me felt like that was it. That was exactly where I lost faith as well. The entire time in the third, I mean, for most of the third quarter, I thought they were going to come back and win that game. And they just did not. Just getting the end zone once before the fourth quarter would have changed that game completely because the defense was coming around. Let me ask you this question, Kevin. When they went ahead and kicked that field goal, that's when things started to really turn and the offense of Houston picked it up again. Did the defense at that point feel that this is a losing cause and did they give up there? You know, I don't think that they did so consciously, uh, but maybe, maybe a little bit subconsciously the deflation of not being able to score there and the sense I mean, if I had that sense, you have to believe that some of the players had that sense that like this was a good drive. They started that drive with really good field position. I think they took over on the Houston side of the 50 and they had just had a long drive to open the second half and and they they kicked a field goal. And you kind of thought like, well, we got to take advantage of, of the opportunities that we get. We have to finish drives here. And by not being able to score, I think that there's it's just sort of a natural letdown there, like like. We haven't the first half was a disaster, 54 total yards in the first half. And and if you're going to come back and and win on the road, you got to really be able to seize your opportunities. And so I you know, I don't think that the defense was consciously let down, but I think that they felt as though the offense really wasn't putting them in a great position to succeed. And obviously I, I think that you saw the defense's play decline after that series. I, I like how you said deflated because, of course, they're not giving up, but they're now in their heads facing an up, uphill battle. So I think that's what it is. Yeah. And, I, you know, again, I mean, the defense certainly played their role in the defeat today. I mean, I just felt like I felt like Bobby Slowick, the Texans offensive coordinator, was just kind of a step ahead of Terrell Austin for most of the game. I mean, Bobby Slowick is a guy who, who who came from San Francisco. He's been with Kyle Sh- or he was with Kyle Shanahan for a long time, dating all the way back to when they were together with the then Washington Redskins. You know, that was 12, 13 years ago. So he's he really knows that Kyle Shanahan system well. He's well schooled in how to neutralize a defense's advantages. Obviously, Houston's ability to keep C.J. Stroud clean was a big deal today. I mean, the Steelers didn't sack him once. And and what the Texans did is they just really kept the Steelers off. They ran the ball well early, and that kind of put forced the Steelers to put their base 3-4 defense on the field. And then when the Steelers were in their base 3-4, Houston 
really mix things up with play action passes and screens. Uh, just just enough. They really neutralized the Steelers' pass rush by by changing their you know the landmarks where the rush would would hit and the the, the speed at which the ball was out of the quarterback's hands. I mean, if you're if you're a pass rusher and you're doing everything you can to get to the quarterback, but a team is now starting to screen on you and run draw plays and some misdirection and things, it just slows you down. It just makes you a little bit less aggressive. And I just thought that that and then the and then the Texans were doing a nice job with their offensive tackles, taking really nice deep pass sets to take away the speed rush of the Steelers. And then their running backs would look to chip inside. So if if TJ Water, Alex Highsmith realized, hey, I can't get around the edge and I got to make some sort of counter move here. And the counter move would be to rip them back inside or bring them under. There was a back there to chip them uh, before the back got out into their pattern. And so it just felt like Bobby Slawick and the, and the Texans offense knew what the Steelers wanted to do, had a really good plan on how to neutralize it. And they kept CJ Stroud clean. And we, and we saw one thing about that young quarterback that when he had had a clean pocket and an opportunity to really sort of sit back there and feel comfortable, he throws a beautiful ball. So I, again, man, it just was, it was a really nice job by their offense, but while the Steelers defense can feel frustrated that the offense only produced six points, you know, they, they played their role in that defeat as well. One of the biggest questions is who to blame. And there are so many fingers that can be pointed to so many different groups of players, coaches, even owners. And we can do all that. So the question we are going to ask when we come back is there a problem bigger than Matt Canada on this team? And we're going to discuss that on Here We Go, the Steelers show. This is Steel Curtain Network. We'll be right back. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. Alongside me is Kevin T. Smith. That's Kevin Thatcher Smith. And what we are doing right now, Coach, we're talking about where to point those fingers. And there's a whole lot of them. Don't care if there was ever a ring on those fingers before. People are angry. People are chagrined. People are even, some people are shocked. Some aren't. So. Of course, the obvious scapegoat is one Matt Canada and who I have dubbed Matty Mexico because his game has gone south. And if he's going to be named after a country, we he's uh, gone south. Excuse me, not Matty Mexico, but he's Mateo Mexico at this point. <laughs> so I don't know if that works. Uh, maybe that's a T-shirt. Fire Mexico. Uh, <laughs> but. Let's discuss, Kevin. 
Is there a bigger problem for the Pittsburgh Steelers right now than merely Matt Canada? I think the Steelers have several problems right now, but I think the main problem is Matt Canada's offense. And there's there's the obvious things. They're averaging 12 points a game. My gosh, 12 points a game. I mean, they averaged 18 points a game last year, and everybody said, boy, that's not enough to make them competitive with some of the best teams in the league. They're going to have to score more points. And and they're now averaging almost a touchdown less than that through four games. So obviously that's a huge, a huge problem. Uh, but really, I think it goes beyond the statistics, right? We could we could probably quote a whole bunch of statistics about where the Steelers rank uh, in in most of the offensive metrics, and it's all going to be pretty ugly. But I think for me, the thing that's the biggest problem right now is that I believe the Steelers have lost faith in Matt Canada. I, I've I've you constantly keep hearing them make remarks like like Mitch Trubisky said something after the game. He said when he was asked to assess the problems that the Steelers are having, he said, no matter what the play call is that comes into the huddle, you have to execute it. And, you know, if you read between the lines there, essentially what he's saying is guys might not like the plays that are being called guys not might, 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 might not like what's coming into the huddle, but we have to go out and execute those plays. Essentially he was saying, you know, Guy's not putting us in a good position right here, but it's on us to to figure it out on the field. And I think that that has trickled down throughout the organization. There just is now a visible lack of confidence in what's going on with the offensive coordinator. And I think when 60,000 Steeler fans were, were chanting Fire Canada a couple of weeks ago, there were probably a lot of players that just sort of nodded quietly in agreement. And it really it puts the organization now in a tough spot because everybody knows that the Steelers' MO is not to fire coaches in season. They don't like to do that. But it's reaching a critical point now where you're seeing the season jeopardized by a guy who has now had enough time, really, and enough excuses uh, to justify his continued employment as Pittsburgh's offensive coordinator. And it's just it's not getting it done. And, and the area I think that's the most problematic, uh, other than the lack of confidence throughout the, the locker room, is just how much Kenny Pickett's growth has regressed. I mean, he just doesn't look like the same guy that he did towards the end of last year. And you watch C.J. Stroud play. He's a rookie, man. C.J. Stroud's a rookie, and he looks far more confident in what he's doing than Kenny Pickett. I watched jo- I watched uh, the end of the Arizona San Francisco game today. Josh Dobbs, who was terrible when he was in Pittsburgh, looks like a far more confident and competent back than Kenny Pickett. And at what point do you know, you got to put some of the blame on Kenny Pickett himself, but at what point do you do you just admit that his growth is being retarded by the coaching staff, right? He's just not getting coached in a way that allows him to succeed. What explains some of the young quarterbacks in the league, another one, Sam Howell in, in Washington, looked fantastic today. He's got Eric Bieniemy coaching him. I mean, at what point do you say the coaching staff is getting in the way? And it's early in the season. They got a game next week at home against Baltimore, and then they have a bye week. And if they're going to make a move, they need to make it now because 
uh, with the bye week, you got an opportunity now to, to whomever, whomever you choose to elevate as the play caller. Maybe it's Mike Sullivan, the quarterbacks coach, but whoever's going to be, you have a chance to to get them up to speed, let them have an extra week to you know make some whatever changes they're going to make. But I think it's time. You know, I'm not a guy who calls for coaches to be fired. I'm a coach. I know how hard it is. I know how hard it is to be a play caller, especially because I'm a play caller. And I know how easy it is for fans to second guess. Every fan out there thinks that they can be uh, an offensive coordinator because there's no, there's no more low-hanging fruit in the football world than, than second-guessing play calls. So I'm not quick to, to say it's time to move on, but in this instance, it's time to move on. The Steelers do not have a young phenom waiting in the wings as a coach to go ahead and go to. So what you're saying, if if I believe to be following you here, regardless of who they have to play calls, it is better for a morale, for, for morale on this team to go ahead and get rid of Matt Canada because no matter who's calling the play calls, it's go. They are going to respond better at this point because it is safe to say, and we had this on yesterday's episode of when I say yesterday, Monday's episode of bad language, have the players quit on Matt Canada. And what I ascertained at the time was yes, they have quit on Matt Canada. So are you saying Kevin that, the change is necessary to give these players and give this team some hope that there's a chance to turn this around. Yeah, I, that's exactly what I'm saying. I, I believe that while Mike Sullivan, who's the the most likely guy, if, if they make a move from Canada is the most likely guy to, to assume the play calling duties because he's done it before. He was a offensive coordinator for the giants for a couple of years. Um, you know, he, he might not be the long-term answer, but you, you've gotten to the point now where if you don't do something and there isn't significant improvement, the, the breach of trust, I think, has already occurred. And, and at what point does it begin to just poison the locker room? I mean, Mike Tomlin, one of the reasons that he's such a great head coach is that he's brilliant at holding the locker room together. He's brilliant at rallying the team when there's adversity. We've seen the Steelers several times rebound from poor starts to, to finish strong. And maybe that's the route they're going to go. Maybe the Steelers' ownership is going, going to say, hey, we're, we don't pay guys to not coach for us, and we're going to ride out the season, and we're going to rely on Mike to do what he does and, and get, the, get this group back to where we feel they, they should be. Maybe they'll go that route. But I don't know if the players are buying in. I don't know if the players – are going to be able to continue to say, we're going to make the best of this situation. That's really not what you sign up for in the NFL. When you get to the NFL, you have the elite of the elite in terms of players, but you expect the elite of the elite amongst your coaches as well. You expect to be coached by the best in the business. And I just don't feel as though the Steelers players believe that their offensive coordinator qualifies in that regard. And the visible frustration, you know, you've already seen it with some of the guys. You see it with George Pickens. You've kind of heard a little bit of it from Kenny Pickett and Trubisky and Najee Harris, et cetera. I just think that it's going to poison the well if you don't make a move. I believe so as well. And not only are the fans up in arms, Trey Essex 
made a comment online. And of course, uh, Antonio Brown once met Canada Fired as well. Uh, he probably wants to get in there as well. But just now, <laughs> you think Antonio should be the next OC, Brian? What do you, what do you think? I think that would go. Absolutely not. <laughs> a- absolutely not. And then after the game, Antonio Brown stuck his nose in once again and a message to Mike Tomlin on X, formerly known as Twitter. Coach T, get out of there, spelled T-H-E-I-R, before they ruin your legacy. You saw what they did to A-B, T-P, R-C, I-T, L-F. You know how the story end. Uh, There's no punctuations in there either. I'm not trying to... Uh, I'm not trying to rip on that. I'm just like, look, if you're going to put something out there, um, try to uh, proofread it first. So you saw what they did, the organization to Antonio Brown, Troy Palomalo, Ryan Clark, Ike Taylor. I'm having trouble with the LF. I know it's not Leaf on Flowers. Larry um, Foot. Larry Foot. There you go, Larry Foot. And you know how the story end. Um, wow. I, I don't even think anybody is really taking that into consideration. As no, well. I, I think I think AB, unfortunately, as great as he was as a player, has certainly given people enough evidence to question him in many ways off the field. Nobody's, nobody's taken his advice, solicited or otherwise. But Mike Tomlin really has a a dilemma on his hand right now. And and I don't know the answer to this and, and it'll be interesting to see if, if an answer is forthcoming in any way, but I wonder if this is actually Mike Tomlin's call. It is not. I don't think it is. Yeah. I kind of don't think it is either. I think it might come from, from higher up. And, and, and as a, you know, if I were Mike Tomlin, that would be very frustrating for me because you just, I, I don't think, you know, I, I think Mike Tom is an optimist and I think he's a guy who believes he's got, you know, extreme confidence and believes in his own role as the head coach to be able to turn things around. But at the same time, I also don't think he's delusional. And I think that he's seen enough. I think he's seen enough. He said he said on Sunday after the game, changes will be made. Now, I don't know what that means, uh, but you know, unfortunately, I think that that. I agree with you that I don't know if he's the guy that gets to make the most significant changes. Let me ask you this, because I was about to bring it up before you said it. Here's the exact quote. Hell yeah, there's going to be changes. That was an ugly product we put out there today. And so we're not going to do the same things and hope for a different outcome. What those changes are, we'll put together a plan in preparation this week. You know, what is he allowed to do? However, he still has leverage and he has the respect of R2. And even though this is R2's call, ultimately it is, they're not going, they might tell you otherwise, but it, it is his call as a businessman. And he's looking at this as business and not on what the product on the field is. He's looking at this, as far as I'm concerned, this is just a financial matter. And the reason I'm saying that is you can go all the way back to guys that they did not renew contracts for. 
They did not renew Bruce Arians. They did not renew the contract of Todd Haley. They let they were fed up with him before, but they waited until it ran out. They never fired Arians, Haley. They never fired Randy Feetner. And they never fired Matt Canada. His contract is up at the end of the year. They play the waiting game, and Art Rooney plays the waiting game. You know, I guarantee you that Mike Tomlin is not playing the waiting game and wants to make those changes. So my question to you, Kevin, is is there a point that Mike Tomlin goes into Art Rooney 2's office and says, boss, enough is enough. I'm not saying he gives him an ultimatum, but we can't we can't do this anymore. That's a great question. I mean, does he does he do that? Does he uh, does he have that kind of a relationship with the Roonies? Um, I, I don't really know. You know, I I think sometimes when you hear them talk about changes, those changes are so much subtler than we would like them to be, or, or they are football changes and not organizational changes. Heck, maybe, maybe Mike Tomlin's simply talking about the passing game because in the first half, this is really a, a, a mind-blowing statistic to me. In the first half, more than half of Kenny Pickett's passes were at or behind the line of scrimmage. More than half of his passes were at or behind the line of scrimmage uh, in the first half. And that's not a professional passing game. That's not an NFL offense. And so maybe it's just something along those lines. So those are the changes we're going to make. They're going to be schematic. And if that's the case, everybody listening to this podcast will be disappointed. But you're, I think that you're probably on, on the right track when you say that, you know, he doesn't get to make that call and that the organization will essentially, like you said, play the waiting game and, and look for somebody in the off season. I, I think it's, I, I think it would take obviously, an act of God or something along those lines to, uh, to revive the offense to the point where Canada gets another contract. I think right now the goal is to merely look competent more so than anything else, but competence is not what Steeler fans are looking for. They're looking for the offense to actually be effective. And we're a long way from that right now. I am so confident that this is Matt Canada's last season that he could remain with this team. This team, even if for some miracle, they win the Super Bowl. I still think he's gone after the season. I still don't think they bring him back. I really don't. And that's that's how far gone I think Matt Canada is. This is the equivalent of staying together for the kids. And... I'm not saying that for the team. It's just like, look, we want to be divorced. I'm talking about a a married couple and they stay together in misery until the kids turn 18 or 21 or so. They just live miserable lives. And I think that is what is happening right now between the organization and Matt Canada. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And, and that's unfortunate. And the other funny thing is, as we talk about all this and we kind of wallow in this current misery, 
if the Steelers somehow can pull themselves back together and win at home next week against Baltimore, they'll go into the bye week in first place in the AFC North. And wow. and that and that will like change everybody's perspective. Maybe not to the point where we're suddenly celebrating Canada and we feel like everything's okay in Steeler land, but it'll certainly make people feel a heck of a lot better because while the Ravens right now look like the best team in the division, uh, the Bengals and the Browns both seem very beatable. And when the Steelers can cobble together enough offense to compete, they manage to win football games. And so maybe, maybe call me naive if you want, but maybe they're just not as far away as they seem at the moment. And that might be the perspective that they use to justify keeping the offensive coordinator around for the rest of the year. Is there any stretch in your imagination that says that this team would be better off, even if they don't have another play color there that they could cobble something together? Or is it the fact that there's nobody in house right now that is keeping his job at this point too. I don't know enough about Mike Sullivan really to feel confident answering that question. I do believe if they had a younger guy who they saw as maybe someone they could groom to take over the job, that it would make it an easier decision on their part. But I feel as though if, uh, if Sullivan were to be the guy, Again, he, you know, as a position coach, he would probably be uh, received well by the players and that in the short term, you'd probably get a jolt from that. Right. You you'd get that whole you know, when there's a change, everybody gets put on notice. Oh, man, they fired Canada. Well, they could maybe maybe my job's next. Everybody suddenly feels like they have to to tighten everything up a little bit and maybe you play a little bit better. For, the, for a game or two or maybe even three. But I would imagine that the Steelers are thinking that they question whether in the long term Sullivan is enough of an improvement over Canada for it to be justifiable for them to pay Matt Canada not to coach. I would think that that might be one of the things that they strongly consider that, hey, you know, a change might give us a boost for a game or two, but over the long run, it's not going to be beneficial enough to justify firing him right now. If Matt Canada is fired, and we still have no idea whether they're going to do it or not, but if they go ahead and pull the trigger, how much of his playbook remains? Does it matter if the playbook remains, but the philosophy? And, you know, there's there's things in that playbook that – that they can employ to go down the field. So is it how his playbook is used, but will they still be using the Matt Canada playbook? You know, it's a great question because there's always this sort of focus on the plays. Everybody likes to focus on the plays, but the plays are really a product of the preparation. The preparation is the thing that usually determines success. How well did you game plan? How well did you prepare in practice? Are your, are your fundamentals good enough to execute whatever plays that are being called? When Mitch Trubisky said that on Sunday about, hey, no matter what, what call comes into the huddle, we have to execute. He wasn't wrong. And so the question that I have is, are, are the shortcomings that the Steelers are, are seeing on offense solely the result of bad game planning and bad play calling? 
which is really on the offensive coordinator? Or are they just not as fundamentally sound as they need to be across the board? Offensive line coach, quarterbacks coach, wide receivers coach. You know, they 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 were terrible up front on offense on Sunday. The, the offensive line, uh, they, they put it together a little bit. I mean, Najee Harris had 70-some yards rushing, which isn't spectacular, but was was decent. Um, they put it together a little bit, but, man, they're, they're, they're going against a Texans front that was missing two of its starters and a Texans defense that uh, was giving up 24 points a game. And, and I just thought that the offensive line just struggled to get a push. And so maybe, you know, maybe that's the issue. Maybe they're just not as good enough fundamentally as they need to be. And so while the play calling seems to be an obvious shortcoming, there may be other ones that run a lot deeper. How much of the blame is on Mike Tomlin? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, how much? Well, but to me, that goes back to how much say does Mike Tomlin have in, in, in all of this? How much how, if Mike Tomlin, if Mike Tomlin has the power to make the change and he doesn't make the change, then it's on Mike Tomlin. Then, then he he gets really uh, what's coming. But if if that power is out of his hands, then I have a hard time blaming him. Very interesting stuff. It's there is so much to sift through. I know I use the phrase "shift through the rubble." I used that on purpose earlier, but they also need sift through and find something good. The one good thing that uh, I, I think we saw here this week was there is some life to that running game. Najee Harris showed heart. I know it's really hard to uh, give a game ball to somebody or give somebody due to the week. But I think if anybody, Najee Harris is probably that guy. Do you have anybody else in mind for that honor? No, I mean, I, I, I think that that's a solid choice. It's hard to find a guy. Maybe, maybe the Jonathan Taylor rumors lit a fire under Najee's butt too. You never know, right? So what yes. motivates people? Who knows? And the Jonathan Taylor rumors very well could be an agent posturing that happens quite a bit as well. I was thinking about this after we discussed it. This is not football, but I think we need to throw out one more due to the week this week. And it is to a man that the sports world revered. He was not a superstar, but it was a man who succumbed to brain cancer at 57 years old this weekend. And if you're a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, a Pittsburgh sports fan, you have great memories of Tim Wakefield, the timeless knuckleballer. Yeah, I'm into that. And Dave Schofield talked about it today, actually Sunday, on the, uh, well, what am I kidding? We record this on Sunday. I know this comes out Tuesday at 5 a.m., but if you hear us say today, it's it's just, uh, it's when we recorded. I'll break down that fourth wall, Kevin. I don't mind. But Dave Schofield was at his major league debut. And 92 was the year it seemed like the Pirates could win it all. And they came very close. They lost in game seven to the Atlanta Braves in the National League Championship Series. And Tim Wakefield was wonderful as a rookie. He ended up winning a title with the Boston Red Sox years later. It took him about 14 years to go to an all-star game. But being a knuckleballer, you could 
pitch late in life. We saw that with guys like uh, Phil Necro and Joe Necro and Gaylord Perry. Those guys were timeless because it didn't have a lot of wear and tear on your arm. And Wakefield was a fantastic man off of the mound as he was on the mound. You know, God bless him. Prayers to his family. Co-dude of the week. And that goes to Tim Wakefield. Yep, absolutely. Good call. Absolutely. All righty. There's going to be so much to sift through, Kevin. And we need to stick, stick here with not only Steel Curtain Network, but on Fans First Sports Network, you can catch Kevin's show, The Call Sheet, and The Whip Around as well. And that debuts. The Whip Around will be, will that be Monday or Tuesday? Uh, we're recording on Mondays and running on Tuesdays there with those. Our, and you do that with one Jeff Hartman yes, here, from, here from the uh, Steel Curtain Network as well. And then you go ahead and have the call sheet as well. And you can also sometimes hear that here on Steel Curtain Network as well. But check out the NFL affiliate feed on Fans First Sports Network for all of your Pittsburgh Steelers needs and all of your National Football League's needs and all of your sports needs as well. Kevin, anything else before we get on out of here? No, just going to reiterate what I said uh, you know, earlier that as as dark as as this week seemed, Next week could be a whole lot brighter, and who knows, man? Maybe they'll be heading into the bye week in first place. All right. I am going to possibly put that as the title for this episode because we need something bright to look forward to. So thanks so much to my good friend, KT Smith. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. This has been Steel Curtain Networks. Here we go, the Steelers show. The Steelers lose 30 to six in Houston in week four to fall to two and two, but they also live to fight another day. And we will talk about that another day on another day. And that is next week at this time. So join us again, please. For Kevin, my name is Bad. We will be here next week again on Here We Go, the Steelers show. And we ask you to keep your feet on the ground. And keep reaching for the hypocycloids. <laughs> 